Hey guys, this is Mike Mahaffey, the old bastard BJJ guy, here for BJJ Mental Models. Back in my day, we had to walk uphill in the snow both ways to get to the academy just to learn some crappy technique from a random purple belt. You kids have it so easy, because now you can just subscribe to BJJ Mental Models Premium and get tons of great audio courses to learn new techniques, enhance your mindset, and entertain yourself. You can even get personalized rolling reviews from some of your favorite BJJ Mental Models coaches, including me. It's like having your own seminar, you spoiled little whippersnappers. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe to BJJ Mental Models Premium right now, get off my lawn, and go train. Hey, welcome to BJJ Mental Models, episode 35. I'm Steve Kwan. I'm Matt Kwan. BJJ Mental Models is your guide to a conceptual and intelligent BJJ approach, and sometimes a taint-based approach as well. <laughs> We've received a lot of positive taint-related feedback following the prior episode. Glad you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, gotta gotta learn how to stomp the taint, the most vulnerable part of the body. <laughs> yeah, it is, I mean, we talk a lot about like you know using the neck or the arms or the legs as a lever, but like. The taint is the ultimate lever. I mean, it's like the way I like to think of it is you've got a spine, right? And you've got two powerful levers on either side of that spine. You've got the head and you've got the taint. And yeah. sometimes you just can't get the head. So, you know, you've got to go low. Yeah. And it's also, uh, it's not discrimina- discriminatory between the sexes <laughs> yeah. either. Yeah. It's like regardless of race, size, gender, age, the taint is a vulnerability. It's like how when you're playing a video game and there's like this big scary boss, but they've got this like glowing yellow weak spot that you need to shoot. Yeah. That's the taint. That's the taint, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and of course, for those who don't understand uh, what we're talking about, check out the Nogi Delahiva formula by Rob Bernacki, uh, as he's made famous the taint sweep. Do you think we should make a taint-based DVD? Like taint-related <laughs> grappling? Well, think about it, right? Like Aikido is a martial art all about using the wrist for leverage. Like It's like a funnel. Everything goes to the wrist. Yeah. So theoretically, you could create a taint-based grappling system that would be like Aikido, but with your taint. Right, I don't see why you wouldn't. I don't see why you wouldn't. I mean, I feel like I feel like we're the Gracies, and Rob is Mitsuyo Maeda, and he's brought this art to us. And now, as a family, we're learning it and we're disseminating it out to the world. Yeah, he always shares his taint with all the students. <laughs> yeah, so. his taint is wide open and free to everybody. So anyway, we should probably get on topic with this episode. <laughs> Thank you for still listening. If you are still. Uh on board with us. I got to check the analytics because I'm pretty sure what we're going to find is every time we talk about taints, the listenership just spikes up like crazy. I've got a feeling that that's like the formula. There's a demand for the taints. <laughs> okay. So today we're going to talk about respecting your opponent, which is something that sounds tremendously obvious and straightforward, but honestly is not really evenly applied a lot of the time. And I think people have maybe different understandings of what that means. We're going to talk about what it means to us. This is obviously particularly relevant in combat sports, but even in other walks of life. I mean, conflict comes from everywhere, right? You, if you look at just your, you know, your relationships with your family, you look at your job, even look at things like politics or geopolitical tensions, it is always important to respect your opponent. And to be clear, respecting your opponent does not necessarily mean that you have to like them. I think this is a common misconception. When you hear people talk about how they, they're mad at someone, they'll say, oh, I don't respect, I have no respect for this guy. But that's not really the best definition of respect, right? There's a few ways that you can define respect. One is, you know, do, do you like the person? Do you, uh, is the person someone that you agree with? But that's not always the best definition of, do, you know, do you respect someone? That's more like, hey, do you like the person? Respecting your opponent can also mean just understanding the threat that they pose to you, right? I mean, if you're in a fight with someone, like, you don't have to like the other person, but you should definitely respect them. Uh, if you're at, at war with another country, you don't have to like the other party. You might think that they're heinous. You might think they're terrible. But if you don't respect them, then it denies you a whole bunch of opportunities to properly defend yourself and also to learn. So that's really the kind of stuff that we want to talk about today. Yeah, and uh, of course, like you mentioned... When you, if you're at war with another country and you don't respect them, you underestimate them, then you're giving them a clear advantage by, you know, not not showing their uh, not showing proper respect for what they're capable of. And the same thing goes for a competition. Um, if you don't 
like the person you're you're about to fight or you don't like the team that they're from you need to at least respect that they have some skills and uh it's something to be wary of yeah yeah or even avoid defeat exactly and even if they are less skilled than you you still need to respect them because an unskilled opponent is not someone who has no chance of winning. I mean, they may still have a chance of winning, and that chance of winning goes up dramatically if you don't respect them. The timing on this is very funny, because as of this recording, BJ Penn just got knocked out by a fat guy at a bar, right? I mean, this is a UFC Hall of Famer who, granted, is not in the the prime of his career anymore, but he basically baited this guy into punching him in the face. He did. It was a weird video. Yeah. I think he was telling him to hit him or I something. I think he was. He was yeah, I think he just didn't respect the guy and he got planted on his ass, right? I, I heard the, I heard the backstory for that video was like uh the guy actually follows BJ around trying to coax him into fighting him. This is actually what I read. I don't know how true it is, but I did see a second half of the video where BJ was on his back, belly down and just <laughs> landing strikes to his head. So Yeah, I, I heard that BJ fought the same guy twice in the same day, which is bizarre. Um Anyway, I, I hope that that's not what I'm doing when I'm retired. That doesn't really seem to be a good way to conclude the twilight years of your career. But the moral of the story here is that regardless of what the skill differential is, failing to respect your opponent is, is always disastrous. I just completed this audiobook called uh, The Greatest Military Blunders. And it, it was really interesting because, as you can imagine, a lot of situations where an army lost a war they weren't supposed to was where they went in just with no respect for their opponent, thinking they were so much better and they just completely disregarded their opponent. And then they got, you know, they got upset. And that's a situation that definitely applies when you're grappling as well. Yeah, when you underestimate your opponent, you give them uh, the opportunity to take control of certain situations that you might not be expecting and then before you know it if you're if you're on the receiving end of of something and and you're down it could be really morally damaging mid-match or mid-battle that your opponent actually got a, a leg up on you and you you didn't think that this was something that was possible so it's always good to just you know whether or not you like your opponent or you you're a nice guy at tournaments it's good to show or at least uh respect the capabilities of what your opponent is capable of i i just i just had uh, a competition in vegas a week ago uh at the vegas open and masters worlds and i'm the kind of guy that uh before matches i always like to shake my opponent's hand i like to at least say good luck or or go face to face with them and 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 you know remind them that it is all fun and that i'm you know just because we're about to go grapple it doesn't mean that i dislike this person and i think that uh, some people can take bjj a little bit seriously in competition where they actually won't talk to their opponent they won't shake their hand before and uh you know to each their own but that's not really the way that i like to do things i think that's more of like an mma approach where you know you are going to try and hurt that opponent you do have a little bit of ill will against that opponent for me with grappling it's I find the matches a lot more enjoyable if uh there's a mutual respect established beforehand and that's just that's just naturally how I've always always approached competition yeah and even if you do have an enemy the problem is at the end of the day you know a lot of the time conflict gets resolved right and Mm. you can't resolve conflict if you have no respect for your opponent because if you don't respect someone at all then what is your motivation to resolve that issue right this is why a lot of the time people are not able to squash the beef is because they just cannot bring themselves to respect that other party and so that divide never gets healed Uh, Another thing to bear in mind is that respecting your opponent doesn't mean that your opponent has to be right. You know, maybe your opponent is doing is, you know, they're not doing things that are correct or maybe they're not doing things the way that you would do it. That doesn't mean that you can't respect them. Um, Even sometimes if people are doing things incorrectly or in an unorthodox way, it still might work, (laughs) right? And rather than not respecting people, you're better off at least paying attention to what they're doing and still being wary of it and trying to learn Uh, Another thing that I especially see a lot in uh, the martial arts is you can still respect someone even if you don't think that they're behaving ethically. Like, respect is not something that kind of comes in one big basket and you respect a person 100%. You can respect different pieces of of a human being. You might respect their game or their strategies, but you might not respect their actual, like, off the mats behavior. And that's important, especially if you're fighting people, right? Because it's very easy to throw out a whole human being and to basically say, I don't respect that guy. And then just to shut your brain down to anything about that person. Which basically happens now, today's political landscape everywhere. Yeah, it it happens everywhere. Respect is kind of an all or nothing thing. And the problem is, if you do that, 
then you prevent yourself from actually learning from the other party. So if you say, you know, oh, this this particular person does steroids, I don't respect him at all. Well, you might be denying yourself the opportunity to learn from someone who is flawed in some manners, but maybe still has other things to teach you. Yeah. So just to, in terms of reasons why you should respect someone, you know, one is, of course, as you said, Matt, so that you don't underestimate them. Because um, even if they are technically inferior to you, it's still possible that they can beat you. And that becomes much more likely if you're not taking them seriously as a threat. Uh, another reason is so that your mind isn't closed. You also don't want to um, fail to respect someone because it might prevent you from bridging that divide later on. You know, if you like, especially if there's a conflict, if you don't respect someone, then if that conflict ever has an opportunity to resolve, then how do you do it if you don't respect the other party? You see the, this, this a lot in war, right? Where if two parties hate each other so much that they won't even talk, then how are they ever going to resolve that conflict unless yeah. one side is just completely annihilated, right? Yeah. That's not a good thing. If there's no... If there's no discussion, then usually the next step would be violence. And obviously, violence of any kind is uh, not desirable. So it's better to just have grown grown adult conversations and work things out with words rather than violence. Yeah. And, you know, in the context of jujitsu as well, if you lose, you know, you don't want to have your ego so tied up in the situation that you devalue yourself. You know, yeah. the part of the problem is, is that a lot of people use respect uh, kind of to feed their ego, where maybe they, they feel very highly about themselves or they're looking down on someone else and so they don't respect them. But I mean, what what happens to, if you have your ego invested in the situation? Like, what happens if you lose? <laughs> you yeah, know? Exactly. You need to take your opponent seriously because if you if you get your ego involved in the situation, then the stakes become a lot higher for you, and that can cause a whole series of other issues. You know, we've talked in the past, Matt, about fighters who have their ego overly involved, and in some situations, some people can use that as fuel. But those are also a lot of the time the people who once they get dethroned, they can just never get it back again. Yeah. It, it, it can be so devastating for someone if all you focus on is, uh, you know, keeping your, your status and your legacy and your greatness and never losing, then if you do lose, it can be uh, a really bad fall. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, you know, I've, I've competed in jujitsu for over a decade now and I've definitely taken my fair share of losses. I know how to lose pretty good. And, um, you know, it's really important to make sure that even though winning is important, it, it's important, but if you do lose, which is a totally possible thing, that you don't hate yourself and that you don't uh, let that follow you, that you just use it to build upon upon future preparations for other competitions. And, and uh, it's really important to understand that, you know, when you lose to an opponent, it's it, it can be a valuable experience and that you can uh, gain a, a relationship. I, there's mm -hmm. a lot of people that I've lost to. And then after I, I go and train with them after, and this is very common in the jiu-jitsu world, um, yeah, you know, and if you, you see guys that have fight each other all the time and then all of a sudden they're at training camp together helping each other, which is actually a really cool thing. It, it really is. And if you don't respect someone, how are you going to do that, right? If your ego is involved and you, you're looking down on this other person and they beat you, you know, if, you, if you've got your ego involved, how are you going to be able to muster it up and ask them if they want to train? How are you going to learn from the person who beat you, right? It denies you learning opportunities yeah. if you don't respect your opponent. And just relationships. It denies you networking um, opportunities within the jiu-jitsu community. The jiu-jitsu community is a really small uh, group of people. And if you compete a lot and you go to a lot of tournaments or you referee or whatever, you're going to see a lot of, uh, you're going to see a lot of the same people. If you travel, you're going to, you're going to build relationships with people. People are going to notice you if you're competing, win or lose. And some of the, some of the, mo you know, biggest jujitsu friendships I've made have been through losing to people. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, everyone's got knowledge and things to learn from each other. So it's important to, to not hate someone because they beat you or, you know, not hate someone because you have to compete against them, but to use it as a, a learning opportunity, whether you're victorious or you lose. Yeah, ab absolutely. So in the context of jujitsu, and maybe we'll talk about expanding this concept of respecting your opponent outside of jujitsu. But from my experience, Matt, I always find that like, if whenever I lose to someone who is either a lot smaller than me or a lot less experienced than me, it's usually because I wasn't taking them seriously. You know, mm -hmm. a lot, a lot of the times maybe you're sparring with like a, you know, if you're a black belt, maybe you're sparring with like a blue or a purple belt. And if you don't acknowledge them as a threat and you're just kind of goofing around, 
they can surprise you, right? You know, uh, being a, a white belt or a blue belt doesn't mean you have no knowledge. It, it might just so happen that you have extremely good knowledge of one thing, and that one thing might just come into play at the right time. So it's really important, regardless of, of skill level, and this is one of the reasons why I'm not a huge fan of the belt system in jiu-jitsu. It's really important not to get so caught up in that label of how much experience you've got that you fail to recognize the threat that the other person poses. I mean... No kidding. There's, yep. there's blue belts out there that are just like... They'll give you a run for your money, you know what I mean? And, oh, yeah. And, and being black belts... Uh, I try to, like when I roll with my lower rank guys, the last thing I want to think about is, oh, this person's a blue belt. So therefore I can't let them get any position on me. I can't let them submit me. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's good to, to be playful at the same time. But, but keep in mind that if you're rolling with someone who like, you know, that they kind of have that reputation for bragging about beating higher belts, probably going to try a little bit harder against that guy because, <laughs> just because they don't have that humility yet where they, they, they realize that maybe they were given a, a position or, mm -hmm. you know, they, everyone knows that one guy in the gym that is a lower rank and sort of brags about beating black belts or whatever. It's like, well, I'm going to give that guy a little bit more attention just because, <laughs> just because, you know, just because he's bragging about it, uh, you know. Don't yeah. want to don't want to become on that list. But if it's someone who, you know, just works really hard and has a very humble attitude and you get tapped by them, it's like, well, I don't really care so much. Yeah, I mean, it happens, right? Sometimes like th this is something that I, actually I would like to discuss maybe in a, in a whole completely different episode. But the thing about jujitsu, when I started jujitsu, you know, I kind of thought that. Like, oh, when you get a brown belt or a black belt, you're basically like an unbeatable killing yeah. machine. And the only, man. Yeah, the only people <laughs> who could beat you are other brown belts and black belts. But what you realize as you, you train is there is, jujitsu is, is not about certainties. There are, in fighting, there are no certainties. And that's why one of the things you learn pretty quick is you really never want to actually have a real fight because fighting is completely chaotic and unpredictable. All jujitsu can do is turn the probability in your favor. If you get someone in an armbar or a really good sweep, like nothing is 100%. Everything has degrees of probability. When you go to mount or back mount on someone, you're not guaranteeing victory. You're just increasing the percentage chance that you're going to get what you want versus if you weren't in those positions. So even when a, you're sparring, like with a, when a black belt is sparring with a white belt, you know, yeah, the, the black belt is probably going to win most of the time, but they don't have a 100% chance. You know, they've got maybe a 99 or a 99.5% chance. But you train enough and <laughs> that day is going to come when you get surprised, right? Oh, and, and if you don't respect your opponent, then you're not going to be ready for that, right? You're <laughs> going to get caught off guard. Um, the best way that you can prevent that situation is to always be vigilant and to always provide the, your opponent with respect and to try to look at what they know and what they're doing. And, and even at a, at a more experienced level, you can get a lot out of it by kind of watching what a junior person is doing and, and teaching them and helping them. And they might even have things to teach you sometimes too. Oh, absolutely. Like like being a gym owner and coming up through the ranks and now seeing junior students come up through the ranks, it's like, it's really important to, uh, to, to, to not always worry about people tapping you out. Like, mm -hmm. like I'm, I'm the senior black belt at my school, so... It would be really weird if I had an attitude that was like, oh, I can't let anyone pass me. I can't let anyone submit me. If you if you have that mentality, then you're going to be in for a lot of disappointment because people get better at jujitsu. Yeah. Uh, people are naturally bigger than me. I'm only 5'8". So mm. once some of these big guys gain the skill that catches up with their physical ability, it's going to be really hard to, yeah. to deal with them. So I try and just shut my, I try to shut my ego out when rolling with some of these guys. And if I get tapped, I get tapped. You know, mm. it happens... Um, and it's, it's really nothing to be ashamed of. So if you're, uh, if you're someone who, who is, you, maybe you're not even a higher rank, you're, you could be blue belt or whatever, rolling with someone who's a, a lower rank, definitely don't make it a goal to just never lose because mm -hmm. that is, uh, that's not really the way to approach jujitsu. Now, if you're, if you're training for a competition, I can, I can understand you wanting to get positional supremacy in every every role because you're 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 practicing for a competition mm -hmm. but in normal everyday training day to day uh not only can you get more out of uh investing in loss and 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 allowing yourself to be vulnerable but you're gonna i think you're gonna have a, a less stressful and more enjoyable jujitsu journey and as a whole yeah and it just involves shutting your ego up and and just focusing on everyone in the room getting better rather than just focusing on yourself
Yeah, I'm glad you actually brought up investing in loss again. Um, there, there's a perfect example in that book about this particular situation where he talks about when he's first getting into martial arts and there's this guy at the gym who's a lot better than him and always kicks um, kicks his ass. And so, You're talking about Waitskin? Yeah, Waitskin. Yeah. So the, and then Josh Waitskin just makes a point of continuously training with this guy until he learns how to beat him. Yeah. And then once he beats this guy, that guy never wants to train with him again. <laughs> right? yeah. And that would, be, that would be a silly attitude because... That guy could use that as a platform to now evolve his game. Now, And this happens in the gym all the time where you'll see two guys go head to head. They're always measuring themselves against each other, whether it's in a healthy way or an unhealthy way. And then if someone refuses to train with the other person because that person now has their number, they're really denying themselves the ability to evolve and, and sort of counter that person's growth with their own growth. And... Uh, and basically making it a, a negative thing by by avoiding training when you could really just I think the best thing to do would be to acknowledge that person and say hey like you're you know you're passing my guard a lot yeah. now like what are you doing and then that person shares with you and then all of a sudden now you're you're using it as a platform to get yourself better and as a result everyone in the room gets better which is kind of the overall goal yeah yeah and, and one thing to understand too is when you train with the same person over and over again, even if there is a skill discrepancy across the board, they're still going to get comfortable training with your, against your particular game, right? You know, maybe the other guy's better, you know, better than you, but what, if you've trained with him enough and you kind of know what he's going to do and you might be able to outperform in that particular scenario. So that's a good example of how if you confront uh, a difficult situation, you know, you go up against someone who usually is better than you if you train against that person it's going to both shore up your abilities because eventually you're going to learn how to counter it but it's also going to make the other guy better too because now he's got stiffer competition and i mean as a black belt at my gym there are a lot of white belts who give me a pretty good role because they've just trained with me so much that they know what i'm going to do and you know as long as we're always freely sharing knowledge eventually they should be able to hold their own against me pretty decently, right? And we talked in the past about the importance of raising the level in the room. Um, this is really one of the best ways, especially at a senior level, that you can increase your own growth. And that is by making sure that the people more junior to you are, are getting better and better and better because they're going to, you know, if you can kind of like raise the tide, that's going to eventually push you to become better as well. Exactly. I, I find that when you're one of the more senior people in the gym, you know, you're not going to be able to sharpen the saw that much by like doing the exact same thing over and over and over again against the white belts. What, what you have to do is you have to train them and get them better so that they can challenge you and that makes you better as well. Yeah. And that, that really involves taking your ego out of the equation, right? Cause, cause instead of really just focusing on yourself, you're, you're trying to, you're trying to think about the entire herd getting better and, and raising people up and, uh, and being happy for people improving parts of their life including jiu-jitsu is like a really good quality for you to just have in general let alone inside the gym right so uh and, and for for the junior people listening you know if you're a white belt and and you know there's <laughs> i remember when i was a white belt there's a guy in the gym back when you know you, you still trained with a, you know dave kennedy right oh yeah 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 so dave kennedy is like a physical specimen um, yeah, he's like MMA fighter you MMA know MMA champion and uh really physically gifted took took some time off of jiu-jitsu i think he's training again now but like this was a guy when i started i think he was a blue belt and just such a naturally good grappler uh and such a good athlete this was a guy that like when i would watch when i see him enter the gym i'd be like oh god it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be a hard day now you know and and uh and he would he would beat the living piss out of me and then as a result i actually got better and better yeah. and i it was because i didn't avoid rolling with dave i i saw how good he was and i said okay like here's not that i'm measuring myself to someone but here is someone that i can use as sort of a measuring tool to to gauge my improvement and then as things went on i started holding my own a little bit better and then he took a bunch of time off right and then and then i trained with him maybe a, a month ago and uh you know, it, it, it sucks because if, if I let my ego get in the way, I'd, I'd say, well, this like he, he literally tapped me out. I tapped him out and then he tapped me out with a guillotine. I'm like, this guy, I've been training for like 10 years, sometimes twice a day. And this guy takes probably four or five years off. And then he comes back and somehow catches me in a guillotine. <laughs> I'm like, you know, if, if, uh, if, 
if my ego was really bad, this would probably bother me quite a bit. But I realized how good he is. I realized how much he's helped me in my journey. And that uh, that's that's the beauty of jujitsu is that sometimes it's not the person who trains more. It's not the person who's the better athlete or the person who knows more. You Sometimes you get caught, right? And this is a learning experience. And it's, and it's a good thing to just be able to shake hands with this person and say, hey, man, that was a nice catch. You know, rather than thinking like, Oh God, I'm never going to train with yeah. you again or, or I suck or get down on myself, right? Well, that is, you know, unfortunately that is super common and you see that a lot where two guys will spar and one guy will get badly beaten and either he will never train with that person again or he that person will maybe will never train again at all, right? People just give up sometimes if their ego takes a blow that's too hard. And that's all the more reason why you need to shelf your ego because it's going to prevent your growth. It's going to totally. steer you out of those situations that actually would serve you best. I mean, an exercise that I like to think of is think of all the times where, you know, you had a really good day on the mats and you tapped everyone out. How much did you really learn oh, from those days? I like, always think about that. Yeah, you probably didn't get anything out of it except for maybe a bit of an ego boost. But if you think about the days where you really, really learn, those are the days where you probably lost and lost badly. Um, and actually, there was a... I, I can't cite it right now, but I just saw this on my newsfeed. Apparently, they just there's some research that's going on, and they basically found that really extreme life experiences, both positive and negative, tend to be the ones that more kind of define you more and shape you more. Uh, so my, my kind of theory is that like the more humiliating and the more of an upset that that loss is, the greater a learning opportunity it is. Now, some people, if they get really humiliated or they get beat up really badly, they will just run away and they'll walk away. But the people who get really good are the ones who lean into that and they dive yeah. in deeper and they learn, you know, they try harder. Yes. They, they go into that situation more than they were before. Yeah. Um, the good example that you gave is, yeah, you like, you know, going and picking on the, the big guys in your exactly, gym. Exactly. Yeah. Like Run, we, running towards the fire rather yeah. than trying to flee it. Right. We, we've got a guy in our gym. He's a, he's a black belt. Uh, he's huge. He's like probably like, I mean, as a little guy, everyone looks like they're like seven feet yeah, tall. Everyone's to huge to us. Yeah. <laughs> but, but this guy's probably like, like legit like 64240 or something and he he's really good too and every time i go into class i see all of these people rolling and he's just sitting there by himself looking so lonely yeah. because nobody wants to partner with this guy cuz they're going to lose right so but every time i roll with this guy i can tell that i'm getting better and better and better because i can't rely on crutches right if i'm sparring with someone my own size if i make a mistake i might be able to to like crossfit my way back into back into a better position but when you're sparring with someone who's like twice your size you can't take that kind of shortcut especially if they're really good so yeah you might lose but those are the experiences that are going to be more imprinted in your mind and i find that it, it'll also allows you to more easily recall knowledge right like if i'm sparring with someone my own size and i try a new move and yeah that's cool it kind of maybe it kind of worked but if i'm sparring and i'm really testing myself against someone who's much bigger and stronger and better than me then i and i can make something work you know there's a little bit of triumph in your mind and you, it's i find I, I find it easier to retain knowledge if it comes from more challenging situations yeah as as much as it's nice to be uh <clears throat> or as or as much as as i wish sometimes that i was bigger there's definitely such a thing as big guy discrimination there, there absolutely is and there's size-based discrimination for sure there is and and you know i feel for the big guys out there because unless there's a lot of big guys for them to roll with a lot of the time people don't want to roll with them. Um, yeah. And, you know, a lot, there's a lot of other factors too. Like some big guys just aren't careful and they mm -hmm. try to use their strength and size, in which yeah. case I think that uh, fear and, and caution of them is actually understandable. But but a lot of big guys don't get a lot of roles or people don't want to come up and ask for roles. And you will see those big guys sort of just sitting sit on. there looking lonely. Yeah. Like, like they're the only person at the dance without exactly. a partner. <laughs> so there is a, there's definitely small man yeah. privilege in jujitsu. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is like, you, you got to remember like force equals mass times acceleration. Like if you don't have mass, you can still do a lot of damage just with acceleration. And big guys are usually like, it's drilled into them that they've got to be careful with their mass. So I find yeah. most big guys, if they're not psychos, they're pretty safe. But little guys don't have that kind of mental check. Like little guys will go insane yeah. on you. They go as fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can, like a, a, a small man going at 100 miles an hour can do a lot of damage. And I mean, 
just thinking back anecdotally, like most of the really like bad injuries I've seen, it's not because a big guy like pancaked someone. It's because a little guy tried to do like an upside down backflip and concussed the other guy by kneeing him in the head, right? Like that's where I see a lot of injuries. It's yeah. usually not the big guys. And I kind of feel like there's this unfair situation where big guys are always like, they're, they're kind of like punished and they're told, oh, don't use your size. Don't use your size. But no one ever tells a little guy, don't use your agility. Don't use it's your ability true. to change levels. Don't use your speed. Like, no one ever says that. It's true. So you, you get these really weird grappling matches where there's a big guy who's afraid to move, and there's a little guy just running around him like a chihuahua. <laughs> I see this all the time, where, like, the big guy's like, I don't think I'm... Etiquette tells me I'm not allowed to do anything. Yeah. And this little guy is, like, just trying a bunch of crazy stuff. Which is why it helps if you have, at your school, if you have people of all sizes. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's big guys for the big guys to roll with. There's little guys as well. And, and also that there's a healthy respect and everyone rolls with each other and keeps each other safe is obviously the ideal situation. Yeah, yeah. Respect is a big part of that too, right? I mean, if you've got mutual respect with your with your opponent or your training partner, then you can roll with anybody, right? Yeah. Um, that That is so important, especially in the gym, because that is what allows you to have quality roles. Yeah. Um, and, and as a gym owner, like, mm-hmm. it, you want to make sure that there's that level of respect and not just that... People don't get into altercations at the gym. Obviously, that's bad. But that people uh, try to prevent injuries for each other and are looking out for each other because, you know, the worst thing you want as a gym owner is uh, a reputation where people get injured at your school. And also financially, if someone gets injured and they're on the shelf for months, um, not only is it a horrible experience for that person, but, you know, fi- financially, you miss out on on uh, on pay from that person, too, as a gym owner. So it's it's just in everyone's best interest if you can build that respect for everybody and and realize that you know train safe train train it uh, for longevity and then everyone you know has the best experience possible. yeah and it's also always okay to just straight up openly ask someone what they're looking for out of jiu-jitsu right like if you're sparring with someone and you're you know they're like a high level competition guy and you're just looking for a friendly role it is totally fine and actually better for both parties if you just set that expectation like there's there's nothing worse than when one person is just like trying to burn a few calories and the other person is training for the worlds and then they get paired up together um you want to manage the expectations of the other party too and it's always good to just openly say like Hey, look, you know, I, I've got to go to work after this. Please don't break my leg or something to that capacity. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't want to rely on that as a crutch. Again, you don't want to avoid uncomfortable situations, but you also sometimes real life gets in the way, right? And you have to be like, if your job requires you to have two functional arms and legs, yeah. it's reasonable to inform your opponent not to like, you know, heel hook your leg and rip it right off. Yeah. And if you're, if you're like an experienced leg locker and you're going against someone who even if they're experienced but don't know any leg locks, you got to respect the fact that uh, there's a lack of knowledge and skill there. They might not know when it's safe to turn or safe to tap or whatever. And uh, you really have to sort of take the initiative and, and, and sort of think for them and have that, that respect that if they if they twist out of something in a, in a weird way, that's a possibility And that, you know, be ready to let go of the leg lock for everyone's safety, even though it means... You didn't get the submission or whatever. You know, there are some things that are more important than tapping out your training partners. And that's making sure no one gets hurt, right? And then, obviously, nothing wrong with saying, hey, dude, like, you just, you basically just blew your own knee. I just let you go, right? That would be the smart way to approach something. The bad way to approach something would be to hold on for dear life and and put the submission ahead of somebody's safety because uh, it, it really would come down to an ignorance thing and a skill differential. Yeah, you're always responsible for taking care of your training partner, and that is especially so when you're the one who has more experience in what you're doing, right? If you can... If you know what's safe and your opponent doesn't, then you're kind of like the parent. You know, you've got to make sure that they stay out of harm's way until they know better and they can take care of themselves. Something that a lot of people get too overzealous about when they're training. You know, they just want to get that submission. And as a result, they're not always looking out for their opponent's best interests or they're oblivious to the fact that maybe their opponent doesn't even realize they're in danger. Um, this is especially common with foot locks because sometimes like the position is so arcane that if you haven't done it 
it before, your opponent might not even know that they're in a submission or, yeah. th- or that there's real danger there, or they might not understand which part of their body is really being attacked. So that's kind of a situation where you might want to focus more on control and educating your opponent yeah. um, versus trying to finish. I mean, I, I don't know about you, Matt, but I actually find that I rarely try to finish submissions in training anymore now. I focus a lot more on just trying to keep control. And if a submission happens, it happens, but I don't actively go out of my way to look for it. Yeah, no, it's. I think that's really fair. I think submission only comes when you've really fully immobilized your opponent and you've gotten into such a good position that... Uh, you know, the, the submission is the only next logical step. Most of the time when I'm in the gym now, I, I go for position. But that's mainly because I'm trying to improve my IBJJF game and I'm a point whore now. So it's, <laughs> it's uh, I find, I, I don't know, it, it's like submissions are really important, but I definitely re- remember when I was a blue and purple, I would hunt submissions yeah, a lot yeah. more. And at this level, when I compete with other black belts, it's like, submissions are it's not really a high percentage thing it's more about sometimes it's more about standing up and getting your two points that will win you the match rather than getting submission um and i think that's actually just a a sound overall strategy too like i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing i you know we always say position over submission but i I think that, you know, like we mentioned earlier, jujitsu is really a game of probabilities. And I, I think that overall, you're better off trying to hold a dominant position and having a high probability of success versus rolling the dice and going for submissions that may not be like really, really high percentage or, or get even a, you know, even just not guaranteed. Like really, I, I want what I want now more out of my training is certainty. And I find I get a lot more certainty by being able to hold position than by having, you know, an oddball chance of getting a submission here or there. Yeah, I think I think one of the only exceptions would be if you are a competitor. Like time, yeah, time constraints, you're down on points, that kind or, of stuff. Or if you're a competitor who's practicing for a submission-only competition. Exactly. Yeah. That makes more sense because the submission is how you, you win, right? It's not based upon uh positional play so if that's if that's the case if you're uh you know if you're if if like say ebi rules are your main competition rule set which i am not a huge fan of Mm -hmm. um but if that is your main tournament scene then it makes sense i guess to go for more submissions but uh for me i have a traditional background and, and position is always sort of the the focus yeah, yeah, sounds good. So we talked quite a bit about respect when it comes to jujitsu, but a lot of these are, are really universal principles that apply in almost every situation in life, right? I with mean, people. With, with, yeah, basically, if there's two human beings involved, then respect is a factor. Um, when you're talking about personal relationships, respect is one of the most important things because it almost anything else in a relationship is impossible unless mutual respect is in place. Um, there was a study that was done. I, I can't, again, sorry, I can't cite this right here, but uh, basically they, they discovered that like when it comes to like romantic relationships, the one thing more than anything else that's going to kill a relationship is if there is some degree of contempt between the partners. So if one partner is looks down on the other partner or doesn't really respect them, there may be, it's going to be really, really hard to come back from that. And if you think about it, that makes sense in almost any situation, right? If, if you don't respect someone, why would you be motivated to work with them or to solve a problem with them or to put, you know, or to put the past into the past? If you ultimately don't respect someone, then it's easy to kind of treat them as subhuman or to make it just to say it's not a priority to have a working relationship with someone and to cut them out. Now, in some situations, maybe that is the the right thing to do if it's a really toxic relationship. But in a lot of cases, um, it, you know, if you fail to respect people, then that means you might be losing out on deepening relationships or on salvaging relationships or staying together when things are difficult. And again, to clarify, like respect does, there's a lot of different types of respect. Respect does not mean I agree with everything you say and you're exactly like me. Like respect can just mean there's, you know, I, I don't agree with you, but I think you're doing your best. Or it could mean, um, you know, I don't think you're doing anything right, but I recognize that you can still provide some degree of threat or danger to me and I need to take you seriously. Like respect has different levels and you never want to be in a situation where you have no respect for someone because at that point you're going to be blindsided to any kind of potential threats. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So like, I mean, some examples of Matt that I can think of, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a psychiatrist, but like in your personal life, you know, for example, if you've got, um, if you have like someone that you have to work with who is difficult or challenging, you see this a lot in the office, right? For example, 
trying to to um be like if you don't respect someone then you're not motivated to work with them and one of the easiest ways to kill your career in a, like an office situation is to refuse to work with someone because <laughs> if, if you regardless of who's right and who's wrong if you get pegged to someone who's like not a team player or you're refusing to work with people, you're probably going to wind up creating more headaches for managers than you're actually solving. And that's going to really hurt your career. It's also going to make you look super unprofessional, right? No one, no one really gets impressed when they see someone who is like always, always has enemies and is always getting mad at people and is talking bad about people behind their backs. That is always a bad look. Like there is really no situation I can think of where that kind of behavior is going to move you forward in life. Because even if you're 100% right in what you're doing, it's going to make you look bad to other parties if you get that kind of reputation as being someone who is either disrespectful or they don't, you know, they, um, they don't want, you know, they don't want to work with other people. That kind of stuff is always going to be a career killer. And just in general, it makes you look like someone of, you know, somewhat weak character, which is always something that you want to avoid. Yeah. And in the culinary industry where, uh, because I, my career is as a chef, I went through a lot of this and saw a lot of this. Some of it was, uh, I was involved in and had to move ahead and, and sort of get past it. And sometimes I saw it happen to a lot of other people. I know the kitchen is a, a really stressful place where there's a lot of, there's clicks and there's people that are liked by everyone. There's people that nobody likes. There's people that are kind of in the middle of the road or just keep their head down and keep to themselves. And um, the overall thing is you're absolutely right, Steve. It will prevent you from moving forward with your career. It will gain you a reputation where people don't want to work with you. And the best way to do it, even if you don't like someone or you don't enjoy working with someone, there's still a, a job that needs to be done. And it can't affect the work is, is kind of the main, the main takeaway. Uh, because, you know, if it does affect the work and if you guys, uh, if two people can't work together because they have disagreements or they, they don't like each other, then, you know, usually if, if I'm the employer, the answer is they both got to go. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, it's better to just find some common ground and, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to respect someone's beliefs or you don't have to like them as a friend, but you do have to respect them as uh, a teammate and you basically have a common goal to accomplish and, you know, personal vendettas can't get in the way of that common goal. Yeah. As a manager, clickiness and vendettas and institutional enemies are always a bad look. Like if you've got someone that works for you and they're constantly getting into like office drama and they're always mad at someone about something like it make it makes that person look really unprofessional. It kills their chances of advancement. And it usually winds up that those are the kind of people who create a lot of headaches and wind up ultimately creating more problems for a company than they solve. And that's usually a sign that they're going to be like one of the first on the chopping block and push comes to shove right yeah. and, and whether or not they want to admit it their life is going to be more negative than positive yeah when yeah. you hold on to that kind of anger I exactly and i'm 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 guilty of some of this too like i i'm not perfect either and it's not so much about never making a mistake as a human being but moving on and learning from past mistakes and using it to make yourself better tomorrow so if you are one of these people and you you know things you, you harbor resentment towards someone you're not a horrible person for doing this. It just means that it's an opportunity to grow tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, maybe this other person, yeah, they might be difficult or maybe they're uh, not as capable as you. There could be a variety of reasons why you might fail to respect someone. But again, you can compartmentalize, right? Maybe you don't respect them in some ways, but ultimately as a someone on your team, you should show them the respect that is deserved for someone that is on your team. You should at least give them the, you know, the opportunity to earn that respect rather than just taking it away. Like my, my belief is you should always respect people by default. You know, I, I don't believe that respect should be earned. I believe you should give people respect and it's up to them as to whether they keep it or not, right? Mm -hmm. um, it, it's very important, especially in the team because things like team drama can really pull the situation apart and prevent people from being productive. Um, the other thing too is like even at a bigger institutional level, like in politics, for example, lack of respect, I think right now, like lack of respect is a massive, massive problem in politics, especially in the States where there's a two party system. Like for those who aren't familiar with Canada, we're, we're not that much different, but we do have more than two parties. So sometimes it's not as cut and dry, but in the US, like it's like there's two sides of a coin. So it's very easy to create this. You're either with us or you're against us dilemma. Yeah. And it's it's unfortunate because like when you listen to politicians talk or um, talking heads on media talk, 
you know, I don't want to get into like a, a partisan argument here about who's better, but really at the end of the day, like it, both sides seem to have a strategy of dehumanizing the other side. And look, maybe the other side is wrong about something, right? Like maybe I have a set of beliefs and the other side doesn't, and maybe I'm technically right. That happens, right? Not everyone is right all of the time. But if I dehumanize someone and I, I lump every aspect about that person together and I throw the whole human being out and I don't respect them at all, then how am I ever going to get them onto my side, right? Like how, how am I ever going to bridge that divide if I have so little respect for the other party that I'm not even interested in talking to them? And now, granted, we're relatively young, so I don't know if things have always been this way, but in a lot of the discourse I've seen recently, especially from Americans, you know, I, I hear everyone saying, you know, oh, the other, the other party is a lost cause. We can't redeem them. Let's not even bother trying. Let's not talk to them. Like, that's, that's a really poor attitude to have. I mean, it, I know it might feel like the other side is a total lost cause, but I mean, it's amazing what you can actually get over if you show the other side some degree of compassion and respect. I mean, for crying out loud, like, you know, all of the countries in the world were able to put like World War II behind them. You know, we can do this kind of stuff. We can get back on the same page, but it all starts with at least be having some modicum of respect for your opponent. And the way that I like to think of it is you don't have to respect exactly what someone is like, their, their belief is. Maybe you don't necessarily agree with them and you think they're wrong, but you should at least have enough respect for the human being that you take the time to understand how they came to that belief, right? Like, if you have a particular belief on, like, gun control or something, okay, fine, maybe I don't agree with you, and it's okay. It's totally okay to disagree as long as you do it respectfully, but I should at least go through the mental exercise of understanding how you came to that conclusion, because it could be that there's a lot of very good information in there that I might need and you just zigged at the end whereas I zagged and if you don't take the time to at least understand where someone is coming from then it really prevents you from being able to get back on the same page with that person yeah I think I think anyone who who knows anything about politics or who you know spends time looking at comment sections and for oh that's the worst you know it's it's just a lot of mud being thrown and a lot of people not even considering the other side's uh point of views and it's important to be able to if you're going to have an opinion on something you should you should be able to understand the other side's opinion as well to be able to argue against it rather than just saying i'm right here's what i believe in these people are uh we're going to dehumanize these people or or call them names or whatever just because we don't agree with them and this is just it's so common now it's it's uh it's becoming all too easy to disagree with the other side and then to dehumanize them. And when you dehumanize a, a person or or a group of people, it's really easy to to justify things like violence against them or to, mm -hmm. or to, to call them, uh, you know, words that are, you know, uh, dehumanizing and just <clears throat> it takes all the levels of respect away from from human beings. Right. And and really, in the end, we're all countrymen. Well, we're not Americans, but. But uh, essentially, we're neighbors, people, you know, we're neighbors, we're essentially countrymen. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, we we should have a common goal. And that is more important than throwing uh, mud at someone because you disagree with their views on hot topics like gun control and whatever you want to call it, immigration, things like this. It's like, well, let's let's try and understand their argument before we start just throwing insults at them and making them not even human. Yeah, and actually, you know, this is very important to understand. Understanding some, someone's argument and respecting someone's argument does not mean you agree with it. It is okay to respectfully disagree. And this is something that I, I always try to encourage people to understand at work. You know, it is okay to disagree with someone, but rather than just like, you know, putting your foot in the ground and drawing a line and getting angry, it, it's okay to respectfully disagree. Uh, Jeff Bezos has a, a saying about this where he talks about disagreeing and commit or, and committing. So if you get into a situation where like two parties can't agree, you say, okay, look, respectfully, clearly we don't agree on this and that's okay, but can we at least find a way to move on a path forward that we can at least both live with. And if you can't do that, then you'll never get onto the same page. And it feels like that kind of discourse is a skill that we've lost as a culture. Yes. Um, Matt, you, you know, you talked about the importance of understanding the other side's argument. Uh, there's a mental model called Rappaport's Rules, where basically um, it just says that if you want to successfully criticize someone, you should do four things. Number one, 
You should attempt to re-express your opponent's position so clearly that they basically say, like, thanks, I wish I'd thought of it that way. Number two, you should state the points where you agree. This demonstrates that you're not that different, and it also sets the table for further collaboration. Um, Number three, you should mention anything that you've learned from the conversation. And number four, only then should you rebut or criticize that argument. So basically, you demonstrate to your opponent that you fully understand them, you respect them, you appreciate what you've learned from them, and then you can provide your feedback. The problem is that most people just turn off their brain and they immediately just provide their feedback. And I'm not even sure in most cases if they actually heard what was said in the first place. This is, this is, those four steps are things that are not, uh, really taught to people nowadays I feel I think that critical thinking and and uh, the mental model of Rappaport's rule is like that's a really important thing when you're applying yourself to p- politics or you know hot topics that the media is trying mm-hmm. to basically push on us and and I think I think they play a role in dividing us and it's and people want to just yeah. come up with these opinions based on things that they see in the media and they're not able to look at things like media bias or historical facts or uh you know facts about demographics and things like this they just want to say the other party is evil because mm-hmm. of this the other party is not human because of this and I disagree with them I'm on this side it's it takes a lot more critical thought and a lot more in my in my opinion, it's it's a higher IQ trait to be able to think of the mind of the person that you disagree with, mm-hmm. and that way, if people had that more uh, critical thinking and and applying those rules when they start really hammering down their political side and thinking about their opinions, they're gonna have a lot more respect for the other party, and I think that more common ground can be met rather than this polarization that we seem to be seeing at the moment. It's probably gonna continue for the next. You know, who knows how long? For, like it, for who knows how long? It definitely doesn't feel like it's getting better, right? And I, I mean, I'm not an expert. I don't know the root cause, but it it does feel like right now, and maybe it's just a matter of the fact that with things like the internet, it's just so easy for anyone to blast their opinion out there. That that's another thing. Yeah, it's so yeah. easy to have your opinion heard without any repercussion. Yeah, and and part of the problem there too is that. Um, you, it also makes it very, very hard to really get like a, a true and accurate understanding of what's happening in the world because we don't, you know, everyone, everyone now can be a news source, which on one hand is a tremendously powerful thing, but on the other hand, it makes it really easy to grind an axe. And it's just, there's so much, I think maybe this is part of the reason why people don't really think rationally and take the time to respect the other party anymore is because like, it's just not really feasible when there's so much information out there. Like yeah. it, it's, it's hard. It takes a lot of emotional energy to sit down with someone you don't agree with and actually try to understand and respect their argument. You know, if, if we live back in the days before we had the internet, I mean, we're sounding old here, but you know, if you live back in the days when you actually had to like associate with the community around you, you were kind of forced to at least acknowledge and listen to other people. Whereas now you can go and you can kind of find a tribe of people online who are going to agree with you and and think exactly the same things that you think. And it's great on one hand that people can kind of find other people that, that are like them. But on the other hand, it can also create echo chambers. And it also makes it really easy to just cease contacting and talking to people who disagree with you. And, and, you know, again, you know, we've talked in the past about growth from discomfort. That doesn't just apply to people like knee riding your stomach. It, it, <laughs> it also applies to talking to people who you wouldn't normally talk to who might feel differently. And, and again, you know, you don't have to agree with them. You can respect a person and respect how they got to their decision without agreeing with the actual decision. That's totally possible and a, a very lost skill when it comes to critical thinking. Very cool. Very cool. And yeah, like I said, if you are one of these uh, hard on the left or hard on the right with your opinions, please, please try to reconsider your opinion. Try to think about the other person's side and, you know, don't let emotion and anger get in the way of your uh, your critical thinking. Yeah. And I think that's something that just both both people are or both sides are doing right now. And then it's funny, you know, some, like if you get into politics and then you'll, you'll have that friend that literally doesn't know anything about politics and doesn't care. And you talk to them like, what do you think of this? Or like, what are you talking? I don't care. You're like, <laughs> yeah. you're like, Oh, that's, that's kind of refreshing. Actually. Mean, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Oh, so you don't have an opinion at all. No politics for idiots. Why would I waste my time with that and stress myself out? You're like, Oh, Oh yeah. That, that's that's yeah. actually way healthier in the long run. <laughs> 
but yeah. it is important to 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 educate yourself with these things and and you know in, in life if you can sort of see the other party's perspective whether it's at work or it's a jujitsu or it's politics or whatever or you know you're in an online conversation you know comment thread and things are getting out of hand like you know it's sometimes it's just not worth it try and try and see things from the other side and i think uh you know your your stress levels will be going down yeah yeah your cortisol levels will be lowered <laughs> it'll also help your relationships in the long term too and your and the way that you're perceived because you'll look like the adult in the room right you want to be that person who brings people together rather than dividing them apart uh, another thing that i would suggest that i've started doing which has been actually quite helpful is I try to make a point of finding books that I would normally not read because they're like the exact opposite of the That's stuff a great that I believe. Yeah. And, and this is easy to do. Like if you have Amazon or Audible, just go on and you'll, you'll know what books they are. Like, you know, a lot of these books are pretty well known. Just find a book that's like, written by a kind of person that you normally would like despise and just give it a go. And what you're probably going to find, if you're like me, is you get physically uncomfortable listening to that book and you want to stop. But my suggestion is just go and listen to it through the end. Because even if you don't agree with anything they say, at least you'll develop an understanding of the other viewpoint. And that makes it easier to humanize the other person and understand where they come from. Like they may, maybe you're right and they're totally wrong, but at least now you understand how they got there and you have a human connection that you didn't have before. Yeah. Or if you, you know, if you're very PC, listen to a comedy special that is a little edgier and exercise your mind with it. You might not like it, but at the same time, you know, it, it's like a muscle that needs to be stretched. Hearing people's opinions that you don't like is a muscle that could be grown and you can benefit from it. Yeah. I, I heard a great quote some somewhere. I don't remember where it came from, but it basically it was that comedy is, is so important because it's one of the only places where you can just completely take all of the filters off and confront the things that no one else can confront. And so in a lot of ways, it can be an icebreaker because it allows you to begin the conversation on topics that otherwise no one could discuss. Sort of like how like back in medieval times, you know, the king would have like a jester or a fool. And that was the only person who was allowed to say the truth without the getting punished for it, right? Like it, it is important sometimes to have a completely unfiltered view of what's going on because otherwise, you know, taboo might dictate, prevent you from discussing something that is actually really important. Yeah. And it can bring people together from different walks of life and different, Absolutely. different opinions. So it can be a way to release tension. And, and uh, you know, I hope that 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 type of comedy continues through this weird polarized time. Yeah, absolutely. So great talk. Um, just to recap what we talked about today in terms of the mental models we discussed, uh, respect your opponent. Even if you don't like them, even if they don't believe the same stuff as you, uh, you should always, there's always something that you should respect about your opponent because if nothing else, you need to understand the threat that they pose and you need to understand what you can learn from them. Yeah, and in competition, another thing to remember, this is uh, something that I was taught a few years ago is, you know, with a, gr a great reason to respect your opponent is because without them, you have no one to fight. You have no one to either base victory and glory or uh, defeat and growth off of. So without that person, you're just out there by yourself. You're so basically that giant black belt that nobody wants to roll with. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's important to, res you know, if, if you don't like them or whatever, at least respect them that they're giving you the opportunity to either win or lose against somebody. And, you know, if you can, if you can look at it that way, then you're always going to be able to come out on top and grow. Yep. Awesome. Uh, other mental models we talked about, investing in loss. This is the Josh Waitzkin mental model from his book, The Art of Learning, where he discusses the importance of losing to get better because you're going to be bad at anything you start. Uh, eventually you'll get better, but you've got to shelf your ego and be willing to train the areas where you're weak. And that means that you're going to lose. We talked about raising the level in the room, meaning that if you, especially at a senior level, one of the best things you can do to improve your own training is to improve the quality of your training partners. We talked about Rappaport's rules, which are a, you can Google this actually, it's easy to find. Um, they are a framework of steps to follow if you're going to criticize someone basically the gist of it is you should understand the other person's argument learn from it and express appreciation before you criticize and we talked about growth from discomfort um, when you if you want to grow and improve you have to seek out the areas of discomfort in your life and run into them and that in jujitsu that can mean hard competition um, in real life that can mean exposing yourself to ideas that are the opposite of what you would normally believe yeah Anything else, Matt, that you want to add? Uh, yeah, just, um, you know, if, if your frame of mind when you hear an opposing opinion is to shut it down and not let that conversation happen, 
that is fascism. Trying to shut down someone's opinion is uh, not the way to grow. So definitely, the Ra- I love the Rappaport's rules thing. If you disagree with someone, you should be able to at least listen to their to their opinion, and then, uh, like you said, try and appreciate their opinion, even even though you might come away disagreeing. Um, everyone has the right to to express their own opinion. So yeah, yeah. definitely, I uh, I really love that. And that's a good little tip too. Like if you get exposed to an idea and your immediate reaction is like you feel emotional about it. Yeah. Like if you if you Which can happens so yeah much. if you can feel the response and you feel that before the other person has even finished talking to you, that is usually an indication that you're not being rational and that you're not respecting the other party. So at least take the time to listen. It, there is no harm in at least understanding where the other person comes from, regardless of who's right or wrong. And if it hurts your ears, good. It'll be good for you. Yeah. <laughs> Growth and <laughs> discomfort, right? It's a, it's a muscle. Okay. So we got some email from a, from a listener. Uh, Dear sir slash ma'am, we are expert at making t-shirt, hoodie, sportswears, open parentheses, <laughs> martial arts, soccer kits, hockey, ice hockey, etc. Close parentheses, gym wares, printed shirts, sublimation shirts, polo shirts, fashion wares, jean wares, rain wares, and varsity jackets, working garments, and accessories. Our company provide our customers the best quality products on reasonable prices in this age of tough competition. Good for you, buddy. Any I'm... any gym owner gets about <laughs> gets about ten of these a week. Yeah, I just picked the best one. Like we get a lot of these, but this one I thought was good. I mean, hey, I appreciate your gumption. I appreciate that you're trying to like do your side hustle. Um, best no, of this luck. This is probably their main hustle. This probably <laughs> is their main hustle. Best of luck, but we don't need any uh, custom branded geese at this time. But thank you anyway. All right, Matt, this has been another great episode. Thanks so much. And thank you to everyone for listening. As always, if you've got any feedback or suggestions, please just do write in. We'd love to hear it. Great chat. Thanks for the listen, guys, and respect each other.